Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Cariad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey Greasters, I hope you're having an okay week. Um, Thank you so much for your amazing support and wonderful messages about last week's episode with Michael Rosen. Um, I, I I, yeah, I'm still (laughs) speaking to him. He's just so amazing. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the episode, I'd thoroughly recommend it because he's he's just such an eloquent, wonderful human. It was so nice to talk to him. And thank you for those of you who got in touch to say how much you enjoyed it or shared the episode or told people about it. I really appreciate it. If you are enjoying the series rate review subscribe as everyone says or even just share with someone you think might enjoy it because that all helps me continue to make this work and if you've done it already thank you have a hot cross bun this week i am speaking to the amazing alexi papas alexi is not only an olympic runner she's also an award-winning actor a writer she just had her book bravey that came out this year it's got a foreword by maya rudolph as well um, she co-created and starred in her own feature film, Olympic Dreams, alongside Nick Kroll, which premiered at South by Southwest. Um, yeah, she is an incredible person. It was such an honour to speak to her. As I said, her book, Bravey, is out now. It's, it's a really, really beautiful book and very funny as well. Alexi spoke to me remotely about her mum, who died when Alexi was just four years old. And just to let you know, in case you are sensitive to that issue, Alexi's mum took her own life, and we do discuss that in this chat as well. So Alexi, on the show, we, we I always start with this question, but this might be an interesting or difficult question for you to answer. We always say, who are we remembering today? Mm. So yeah, who are we remembering today? If that's a question that having read your book might come with certain caveats. Yeah, well, I guess we're remembering my mom. Mm-hmm. If that's the, you know, that, that seems to fit the format. Yeah, um, yeah. And when did your yeah. mom die? She died in 1995 when I was four, almost five years old. So I guess that's what I was leaning to, like, 
your memories of her obviously are affected by how old you were when because sometimes I speak to people where you know they that person who died lived a very long long life and um, right, yeah right. so you lost her when you were four so was it had you just turned you were like heading to five basically I was nearly five oh. and I have only four memories of her actually mm. um but they were really impactful and I think I at least have those and then just I have like a the the sort of broad strokes of how I like felt during that time and then you know I'm sure you have had this experience with people but just the ongoing relationship that we have with someone who's passed away and it's a very much alive relationship based on our own growth I think that's Mm. really what it comes down to right and our understanding of them in the world yeah we talk about that a lot on the show which I think for me anyway when I first realized it was quite like a revolutionary discovery that because so my dad died when I was 15 and I always feel like it took me a long time to accept like, oh, that relationship continues because for so long I was like, he's mm-hmm. dead. No, don't try and make this relationship continue. Like, fuck you. <laughs> like, that's all. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm, want that. Mm-hmm. And then as yeah, I got yeah. older, I was like, of course it does. Because like you said, your growth, you know, every time you grow as a person or something significant happens to you, even if it's not, you know, getting married or buying a house and it doesn't have to be traditional significant things just something that is important to you you change fundamentally as a person and that kind of that conversation in your head with them continues which is a I guess I think like sometimes when people go oh they, they live on through you it's an awful thing but kind of relates mm-hmm. to that conversation in a weird way yeah well you know in this case she took her own life and mm. for me my understanding of her at that time was super confused honestly like I did not understand you know I thought that it was a choice that reflected upon me like that it meant I didn't matter enough to stay Mm. because I was so little and I think we can only think in those terms for little but also that I was fed a narrative that she had to go and that she was so sick that she was unhelpable and I think that that was like something that terrified me because it made me not want to become like her because if I became like her, then some inevitable foregone conclusion might happen to me. Mm. And that was not accurate, but it was my understanding of of that whole, you know, of her for a really, really long time, you know, until I experienced a depression myself, which wasn't until after the Olympics. So it's just been like a journey, you know, and I think that it's it's evolving. Yeah, my God. When she died, so nobody sort of explained it specifically to you what happened. They just, did you know she'd taken her own life or were you just kind of like, okay, my, my mom's not here anymore? Because how would you explain that to a four-year-old? Yeah. It wasn't explained to me. Yeah, I mean, that's it so was, hard. Yeah, totally. So like, I just thought she died and I basically made up a lot of things for myself before I knew because... I just didn't know and I knew that she smoked cigarettes so Mm. I was like okay she probably died of cigarettes because I know that cigarettes are bad and then in seventh grade my best friend since two years old um so there was this day at school in middle school and we were supposed to write out names and I talk about this in, in my book Bravey but we were supposed to write out names for people we had known to have died of smoking And everybody wrote Walt Disney because there was like a rumor (laughs) around our school that like he died from smoking. And and then I wrote my mom's name because I felt really, you know, brave and ready to share that with the world. And then my best friend was like, "Okay, 
my, you know, her mom told her that she should tell me the truth. And so she told me on the bus, you know, coming home from school that day. And it was just super, uh, embarrassing and sad because I didn't know. And I was a little humiliated that everybody else knew. And in fact, in our yearbook, the picture of that tombstone that I made out is like in the yearbook. Um, so it's like, it's there. And uh, <laughs> how old, sorry to be, how old is seventh grade yeah. for your seventh grade is what, like 12 or 13? Oh, okay. Years old, yeah, maybe? yeah. So you were 13? like, yeah, old enough to kind of have that sense of self awareness of like, oh, I, I didn't know that. I should have known that. But of course, how could you? Oh, have known totally. That? Yeah, yeah. You know that you should have known. And, and also there's that like protection over my dad where like, do I go home and, Am I really mad at him now? Because mm. like it's infuriating in some ways, but I also always have really been very protective of him and just wanting to. It, I think the feeling I can only describe is, I call it dad sadness, dad sad. And there's a chapter in my book about it because I think we sometimes, if we're left with a single parent, we have this sadness that is like a sadness we assign to them Mm. for an unfair set of circumstances that like they're in and we're in. And I think what we realize is that that feeling is just love. It's not, I I shouldn't have been sad for him, but at that time I was like mad and sad and I didn't feel like I could tell him because I thought it would hurt him, honestly. Mm. It's so hard though. And four is is so young, like, yeah, it's interesting. There's a writer called Dawn, do you know, Dawn Porter. She actually lived, mm-hmm. is based in LA and her mum died when she was six. And she oh, wow. described a similar thing, actually, that she told everyone her mum died of appendicitis and she hadn't, but she just kind of liked the the explanation of it. And she sort of thought that's what had happened as well. And I just think when you're such a young kid, it's it, like, how can you get your head around it? And also I think maybe it's interesting that that it was when you were older that you found that out. Do you know what I mean? That you were at that age yeah, yeah. where a child can actually go, oh, I know what that means. Whereas at four, like my daughter is four and it, their sense of what's real and what's not real is so blurry, like so blurry. Yeah. Things you tell them or things you read in a story, they start telling you are true and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, so yeah, it's it's really, your dad must've been in the impossible position. How could he have made sense of something that I guess even as an adult it's hard to comprehend you know why someone makes that choice the mental illness she was suffering from so deeply yeah well and I think that the same goes for for me where him not telling me meant exactly what you're saying about your daughter where Mm -hmm. I used my imagination a lot um, before I knew more information about her and you know the way that that came about was like I think really me trying to like make the world feel like an abundant place even though something really important was taken from me and how Mm. practically how it actually played out was some of the memories that I have you know one of them and I go more into it in the book but like she you know I walked in on her trying to like really really hurt herself and I think it felt so and I like saved her life you know because I but I um I think that it felt so unbelievably impossible that that would happen Mm. that I didn't really know what to think of it. And my dad didn't talk to me about it at all. And I think he thought it would go away like a bruise fades. Mm. And the truth is that it wasn't going to go away. And I remember watching Looney Tunes, these cartoons, and there was a similar, um, you know, it, it, 
there was like a similar scenario in a cartoon that I mm. saw in real life, sort of. I mean, not a cartoon hurting. Yeah, like that kind of like having read the book, that kind of level of comic cartoon violence is kind of what exactly. you saw. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. And so I was like, okay, if this is happening in the cartoon world, and I also see it in real world, then even if the most unimaginably bad things are possible, so are the most unimaginably good. So it sort of was like always trying to like survive and think about ways to usefully like make the world feel like it's rooting for me not mm. against me and that's incredible uh, I think yeah that's an incredible well, we have choice to. but like you don't you I, you don't you know like it, I suppose so many people who have lost parents and I think to be that conscious at that, that age to be like okay there is awful but there's good I think that's a really amazing I don't know, like self-awareness or strength or just what wisdom, wisdom to make that choice. Because you could have very easily gone, oh, well, everything's awful. Like, trust no one. This is, the world is terrible. But to kind of be like, no, <laughs> if that much awful can happen, then that much good can happen. To be able to see that spectrum is a really incredible thing to do at that age. Yeah, I think so. But I, But I also think that anybody who has lost someone in a way that feels unfair mm. for whatever reason they um have a choice to see themselves as like maybe different than they imagined or different from their peers or you know something like that and I think different is cousin to special mm. and special makes you feel more you know empowered to feel like special in the bad way special in the good way mm. and like there's always two sides to every coin right like even when I think about my mom like hurting herself I'm like oh my gosh or like the things she did to like get the drugs she was addicted to and you know she would like write her own prescriptions and all this like crazy stuff and I'm like wow she was like so capable mm. and like you could be capable in both directions yes and so yes that's so right true. so there's always two sides yeah no we, we talk always two sides that, 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 that is, um I actually wrote that quote down because I loved it so much from your book. It said, what I now understand is a successful person can be successful in anything, the good and the bad. This is both empowering and heartbreaking. And that sentence, I read it and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> like oh my God, because yeah, someone could be success. I was thinking, obviously you've related to yourself. How can you not? But I was like, you can be so successful at living that can be really, dying can be really hard for you, which is like what my mm. experience with my dad, that he just found, he just couldn't, just didn't go along with it very well <laughs> he, had oh, really? he had cancer oh. yeah and so he really really fought it but not in like noble brave hallmark movie way and like a really painful like oh god um and I thought mm. when you said that about your mum like you said that she had it would be easy to categorize you know all these mental health problems and this this tragedy of it but actually like you said she was so capable at surviving in the way that she wanted to survive and I found uh, having spoken to other people who've lost people to suicide there's a kind of yeah, you have to understand. Well, I, I maybe I'm putting words in which isn't fair of trying mm. to understand why someone does make that choice, and it's not giving them the power and respect to, as another human for making that choice, rather than a victim, I suppose. Well, and I think that honestly, that she didn't have to die, mm. but I didn't understand that then. I really only understood that once I learned you know, once I felt the same similar thoughts that she had and then got help and got good help and got bad help and then mm -hmm. realized what kind of help she actually got, like by looking at documents and things like that. 
and realizing that what she, the kind of help she got would not have helped me. And it makes total sense that she felt unhelpable. Yeah. And so that made her way more human because I was like, actually, she didn't even have the resources or support. And so it wasn't my dad's fault. It wasn't her fault. It was just an unfortunate situation where she didn't have the vocabulary and the support. And so in that sense, it's just sort of like, well, that's a shame. And like, she didn't have to die. But mostly I'm like, oh, nobody has to die in this way, I think. Mm. Um, I truly feel that way. Um now you know yeah I think that's it must how do you well how do you feel having looked back and I guess especially because I know it got much worse it was sort of like after she'd had both you and your brother right so you were in the book you suggest maybe it was like maternal health mental health problems as well which obviously has improved so much but you know there's still a long long way to go like how do you yeah how do you feel judging that from now if she'd been alive now would the resources have been better is there a part of you that's still like that finds that painful or have you found yourself kind of just coming to a peace with it yeah I think it's one of those things where I'm like wow we would have been like good friends and this would have been amazing but the most important thing rather than like regret is like to have a lesson right mm-hmm. so like there's you can have regrets or you can have lessons I think and once you know that there's like I think in general in life like we have to be kinder to ourselves about like what we did in the, in the past because we were probably trying our best with the vantage point or the resources we had like whatever it is mm-hmm. and um the only thing that is important is that once we know there's like something that needs to be fixed that we fix it there's no like I don't think there are really like fuck ups in life. I think there's only lessons as long as we make the shift. And so for me, what I really feel is that I hope that everybody has more of the vocabulary that I developed when I got help, which wasn't right away when Mm -hmm. I had depression. But when I did get that help and that vocabulary, I was like, wow, this is like totally like not what I thought it was. This is not like a cloud that, that ominously descends and never goes away. It's something that we can like put in put in front of us and think about like an injury and we can heal. So when I think about her, I'm like, it's really sad that she didn't have like me and my book. That's really how I feel. Mm. Um, But it's, it makes me more comforted to know that she was a human being that I can admire and be friends with even now. Whereas when I first found out how she died and didn't really understand it, I was angry, you know, Mm. like didn't want to visit her grave and doing all that teenage stuff <laughs> oh I mean we talk about that a lot on the show of like teenage like obviously I had that experience because my dad died when I was 15 and when you're a teenager you're so rageful anyway and if you've experienced loss at a young age you've someone's literally served you on a plate the greatest reason ever to be furious <laughs> like all your friends right. have nothing they're like oh my parents are so annoying you're like one of mine is dead like yeah, I can yeah, be yeah. furious and it, it 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 really fires that teenage rage of course like of course once you I can totally un- relate to that like understanding what actually happened and and the duality of these things of like you said feeling confused and embarrassed that you didn't know but also the love for that person and also angry like I think with grief sometimes the biggest lesson I've had of just like letting all the feelings exist at the same time as opposed to trying to be like oh I'm this about this person and therefore I'm this and that's that's a fixed solution I've discovered but rather being like you said the conversation continues today I'm this tomorrow I'll be this like it can yeah you know as a as a relationship with a parent who's alive it's really complicated and ever-changing and it comes 
Totally. And it comes at like unexpected times and unexpected ways, which they say like, but when you experience it, it's like a whole other kind of like, you could be offended by it in a different Mm. way when things come at unexpected times. Um, Like I even remember I was in Greece training this past year and I got sort of stuck over there during like the lockdown during Mm. the beginning of COVID for five months unexpectedly. Wow. And yeah, I thought I was going to be there for like a couple of weeks training for an Olympic qualifying race, but it all, you know, everything changed in mm-hmm. February. And I, I had this coach over there that was, became like my full-time coach because I was stuck over there and I had this one workout and he was kind of a yelling, passionate coach, which <laughs> yeah. I'm like, not as, you know, I, I'm used to like calm, confident and, and he's he just gets passionate when you're like on the track and there was this one day and it was so windy and I was not like I was like nearly hitting my splits but like not quite and it was very painful and he was like screaming at me and like I know this is his style and he meant so well and it works for his other athletes but for me it just brought out in me this like deep like grief Mm. it's I understand that it was grief and I think it was because it felt the same as like hearing my mom when she was in her episodes when I was little just screaming in our house and it was really hard for me um and I had a talk with him afterwards where I was like listen like this isn't the way that I respond best to coaching and he was totally understanding so that was all good but I think it was interesting that it just totally brought back like a visceral feeling just like a smell can Mm. like oh my gosh a beautiful scenario of this was yeah we were premiering like one of our movies in san francisco and my my partner and i went to this ramen shop in san francisco in japantown and there was this familiarity to this ramen shop and i was like i've never been here like i don't know why this like smells and feels familiar And I talked to my dad later and he was like, oh, no, we used to like go there every weekend after walking Golden Gate Park with your mom. And then we like stopped going. But I was like, that's crazy. Like it felt I was like, I know this place, but like I've never been here. And it was like, well, you have you have been there. You know, that's so Um, amazing that that memory was like so far back there. But you, Alexi, the adult was like, this is I've been here. (laughs) Like, that's so incredible. And it's funny, like you said, because you you state in the book as well, like you have these four memories of your mum, but there is, there's obviously still other stuff, like he's like deep within muscle memory that's just yeah. there. That's so and crazy. maybe, well, and maybe what it really means is like perhaps there are other scenarios in life where we encounter things that like simply feel good to us or comforting, mm-hmm. and maybe it's not. Maybe it's like I completely like I've never been to the ramen shop, or it's like a smell that just somehow or a color that pleases us. Or whatever fabric, yeah. you know, just and I think we should just accept those as gifts and as like truly things that like come from somewhere we may not be able to pinpoint. But but if it's useful, then like pretend it's ours and pretend it has that meaning, even if we can't pinpoint the the origin. Right. Yeah. I think especially when you've lost somebody very young and I don't know if you're having this at that well you you know you describe in the book as well like the memories are very slippery compared to someone in their like you know if they've lost a parent in their early 20s or something like that everything gets very slippery and and we've talked about this show before like I can't really remember what he sounded like and stuff like that so anything that you can find comfort from like you said well, you know for whatever reason <laughs> like grab it but that's interesting that his shouting it's weird isn't it how some things can just 
take you back there and I think not the key to successful grief because there isn't a success to grief but I think that's really helpful and heartwarming that you were able to experience the grief recognize it as oh this reminds me of my mum shouting speak to him and not let it well, overthrow you, you know, like it sometimes happens when you're younger and the grief just swallows yes. you up, you know? Well, it did actually, like I cried. Like I oh, cried yeah, sure, sure. the whole yeah, workout. Yeah. But I think when I was little, I like couldn't cry. Mm. And so maybe it was like a good thing to be able to just like grieve it and cry finally, because it was like safer to do it in this context than when I was like actually in the scenario yeah. with my mom. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. You're obviously incredibly driven, and this might like be a trite question, but I was wondering because I I don't do nearly as much as you, but I definitely I have this thing where like I have to work, I have to keep pushing, and I have slowly pinpointed it towards grief, and I sometimes think that's unfair. Like it's not just because I grieve, but have you made that connection with yourself? Do you sometimes think this is so much driven from that trauma I experienced? Hundred mm. percent. Like I think without a doubt, <laughs> I felt when I was little like I did not matter enough for her to stay Mm. and that even though I did not matter to her I would matter to everybody else and that was like the driver of everything and it was like running in a direction opposite her and just determined to be anything but that because I you know did not want to end up like that and it drove me to the Olympics it drove me to like so many like high achieving things that were ultimately outward you know they were um external accomplishments Mm. and that's not sustainable either but it is powerful and I will say like I get it and I think I've seen it in peers where like they have some trauma that drives them and 
I think we have to come to some understanding eventually that it's never going to get fixed. These internal feelings are not going to get fixed by these external accomplishments. Um, but it's certainly quite a powerful fuel, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, I sort of, I'm smiling because I'm thinking, you know, sometimes like I do a lot or like I'm burning out and people are like, you know, like you need to do, and I sort of think, yeah, yeah, it is also good that I do these things. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Sometimes we right. can be so quick to okay, take them away yes. and be like, oh, this is about yeah. grief or you're trying to prove something. You're like, yeah, I am. But also like, you know, I get to do this thing or I did this other thing because I pushed myself. Right. And so it, it, my, I remember my therapist was always like, you're addicted to the adrenaline. I was like, I am. But also it, the adrenaline is paying my bills and, you know, paying my rent. Yes, and so stuff. what do you do? Yeah. I genuinely want to hear. So like, what do you do about it? Because yeah. yeah, people are like, so now what are you driven by? And I'm like, well, probably still like some of that. Yeah. Like I try, I'm trying to grow in a way where it's like not unsustainable yeah but. I think that's it it's the key is like not it's yeah I guess also I've tried to accept like that yes it comes from the grief but it is now also kind of part of who I am so oh trying to, I like that trying to yeah and trying to like every decision being like is this me pushing myself to an unsustainable limit to hurt myself in some way to cause a pain or is this something I genuinely want and I know I have to work my ass off for it and and if it's mm. that, it's like, great, because I'm a really, really determined person. And when I want something, I will go for it till I get it. And that grief and that trauma has given me that strength. Brilliant. If this is something I'm doing to like somehow fuck myself up in the most, like you said, like about your mum and like that capable way of like, oh, I'm really capable of, of pushing myself sometimes in a way that hurts. Um, yeah. So it's just trying to be self-aware I think and yeah I've you know I got therapy like really late um and I think I've had it like four years I just finished thanks (laughs) she just said we're done I was like okay um wow but I well no yeah for now you know what I mean which is like this conversation's done you maybe need to go and not have therapy for a bit um but that's really helped me at like what I call it like catching so like if I'm really pushing myself to unsustainable limits I kind of I now have the ability to step out of it and be like, hang on a minute, what are you doing? Are you like watching every episode of this series obsessively, staying up to three in the morning, like crying the next day because you're so tired because there's some anxiety there? Or are you staying up to three in the morning to finish a book that you really believe in? Like, it's trying to like balance yeah. it, isn't it? And it's knowing like what's driving you. Like, are you yeah. doing this from a place of fear? Yes. Yeah. Or from a place of like, joy you yeah, know or yeah. whatever positive that's so interesting because even um when it comes to like really practical things like so my dad was a hoarder which was like his response to I think my mom passing away was like just saving like newspapers and quarters and mm-hmm. things but um but I think I have like a little bit of that and that's something that I always have to ask myself like if I'm buying something or keeping something am I keeping it like out of fear um or something else and it let's give an example so uh like I always wanted like a writer's room for a tv show that I actually now have which is so exciting but when I didn't have it I would like keep backpacks or notebooks and be like this is the backpack I'm gonna wear to my one day (laughs) writer's room Yeah, yeah and I thought it was really cool and cute but then I spoke to my my person and they were like they were like look if you have so many backpacks and so many notebooks you might have such a cluttered house that you don't even get to that writer's room in the first place Mm. and that's like a way that's coming from a place of fear that I won't get there without these backpacks or whatever but actually you're not going to get there with them because you're like 
you're you're ruining your workspace and you're ruining like the vibe and so that's like an example of like okay i need to get rid of those things because those items are fear items yeah yeah and yeah. then these but then there are other items where it's like it's not a fear driven thing it's like whatever they say it sparks joy and all that stuff <laughs> yeah i think <laughs> you know. and it's really i think again it's the thing of like be when we use this phrase oh be kind to yourself and and sometimes it can be like yeah. what is <laughs> I'd like to eat chocolate and watch drag race like is that just all day can I do that um and I think that's so interesting of yeah just the self-awareness and that's I mean that of just stepping out of yourself sometimes and like looking and being like like almost like a friend like hey why have you got all those backpacks (laughs) what's uh, what are all these and if you're like no no it's it's a cool thing like you said because it it's because I want this and then being like hey you know what like all those backpacks might be making you feel really shit because there's so many now and you know you're waiting for this thing so it's like trying to always assess from yourself but I don't know I think I'm sure everybody has this it's just if you come and I thought um in your book Maya's Maya Rudolph's introduction talked about this as well really beautifully of like when you have trauma early on like as a kid you react oddly because you're a kid so you don't know what you're doing so you just make these leaps and these things mean these other things and so I think sometimes as you get older you're having to untangle like a child's brain slightly of like hang on a minute (laughs) what was I thinking age this age that made me think this would work or like this would but I'm sure adults do it too I just think if you're a kid it's sometimes easier to see that thread and there's also this theory which I've come across a few times of like if you have a trauma I certainly have this you're kind of frozen at that age so like I am not a 15 year old Mm. girl but like inside me it's a very strong angry 15 year old girl still there that I have to kind of work with do you feel like that like you said like do you sometimes feel like there's a four-year-old just like ready and waiting oh man that's so interesting so like wait but can I ask you about yours for a second yeah yeah it'll help me understand so is yours like the same as you actually were or is it like the one that is like getting what she really wanted at that time or needed like what is the behavior is it like the same exact stuff repeating or is it like expressing itself as it never could like yeah it's that's interesting god I guess I feel like that's my what's the word like my instinctive reaction is still the 15 year old girl is if like the neural path got burnt then so if something happens I don't like or someone annoys me like I can still react like a oh my god like so annoying like and I can kind of feel that 15 year old and then I have to mm. be like, you're not 15 anymore. Like, I have to kind of talk myself back from a reaction and be like, hang on a minute. Okay. <laughs> Why? Yes. Like, but that's like my go-to if something, I guess if something frightens me or I'm upset by something, to be fair now. And then what happened to me was when I had kids, it was like really upsetting. because I was like, I really can't be a 15-year-old. Like, that girl didn't have children. So like, I have to let her go. And in letting her go, mm. I kind of had to grieve again. Like, obviously it was like, oh, I was holding on to her because my dad knew her. So I was like kind of keeping her really close and safe. Cause it was like, well, my dad knew that girl. And then getting mm. to the place of going, you're not her anymore and that's okay. But like, she obviously, I guess she felt safe. She was like someone my dad knew. I think it's probably the simplest way to put it. But this is all very like my theory, theorizing. No, 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 I like hearing it. <laughs> um, Cause I'm like, oh, that makes sense for me too. <laughs> Um, except mine's like a five-year-old <laughs> yeah yeah and I think it's uh, yeah I think it's really interesting I had another there was another writer who did the show who I'd done a acting job with and when he told me the age his parents had passed away I was like 
oh, because he was a teenager. And I was like, that's, we get on like teenagers. We talk like teenagers. We've still got that like school mentality. And I was like, oh, I see it. It's, you know, and I've had friends who've had other traumatic events when they were much younger. And yeah, they've said the same thing. Like, they're like, I want to dress like a child. I still want to be six. Like, that's the dream. <laughs> like, that's what oh I'm holding gosh. towards. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So maybe that's true. I mean, I think that I've had to like, and I'm still honestly working on those like gut reactions to things mm. when like they feel like really upsetting. It felt like the the lesson that I learned as a kid was that like, you know, my mom got things by yelling because mm. she was like bipolar and stuff. And so I think it was like, that's my first impulse is like that. That's the most effective way to get attention. So that's hard. That's really yeah, hard. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting to talk to someone like you because I think I've like talked to a lot of people who have not this experience, you know, and mm. so it's hard to even understand like where to what to ask myself, you know, yeah. and I think this is really exciting and cool because, you know, certain questions because you maybe have asked them of yourself that are relevant to anybody who's gone through this. Um, it's also like, you know, with Maya's forward, I think the coolest thing the most, I mean, I was so honored for that, but I think the, the reason why that relationship came about was because when I met her, I didn't know that she had lost her mom young, but I just felt something familiar. Mm -hmm. And it actually reminds me of what you're saying that you've had with people who like had that teenage experience like you did. So Maya lost her mom when she was young, like a little bit older than I was, but not, you know, a couple of years. Um, and I think, you know, I think we grew up similarly with our like single dad and older brother and that was part of it but I keep using the narrative of like we grew up similarly but it's actually like also that we had that experience at that age mm. um so I think that's what I'm learning here in this conversation is that there's also like a time capsule element to it of like what what you tend to be because of the exact moment that this stuff happened mm. and I th I found like when I met someone who who's there's an episode with another comedian whose dad died of cancer at 15 and in that episode you can hear both of us being like oh, yes oh my god yes and like I think there's something like you said that familiarity of and obviously every grief is different like no one has the same experience as you but just something like getting how it felt to be that age when the world went upside down it's really like I just found that like so helpful and healing because it was like oh I felt so crazy I felt so weird I felt like this really strange thing had happened to me and actually there's all these other people having these experiences that are similar to yours and yeah I can understand with you and Maya that like just going through something very painful when you are at that age I mean that age is is so young and it's it must have been so confusing and you know it's confusing enough at 15 and I really felt yeah. my biggest problem at 15 was like, I didn't have the vocabulary. That was my struggle. Like I felt yeah. like I just didn't have the words really to say what was going on. But I can't imagine being, like you said, four or five, like you don't, you don't even know what the emotions are. I knew what the emotions were. I knew I was very sad and angry, but I didn't even, I didn't know how to speak them. So I can't imagine what you, you had as a as much, much smaller child. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that does bring us together. And also it's been interesting because I feel like also a connection with like single dads mm. when I've learned that they're that that have kids who just because I have such a like 
admiration for my dad, but also an awareness of how hard that must have been for uh, him. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, I think that dad sadness again, it comes <laughs> through like not just with my own dad, but with, you know, I wrote a, in the book about an interaction I had with Bill Hader, who, of course, he's divorced. It's not, no one passed away, but it still had that feeling to me of like a dad, kind of like the visual I have is like alone in like a dollhouse with like screaming kids running around that are like confused and want normalcy Mm. you know and it's totally a projection it's not true but it it reflects like I think how I feel about my own dad which is like more sad I'm more sad for him than for me and not because not because like he lost my mom but because of what he did for us so it's it and it's not it really truly is just love like it's a gratitude yeah um but it can be both can't it like I think that's the thing that we're talking about like you can feel so sad for that parent because you know it was really hard and I guess also when you're a kid you didn't understand so when you get back and you you get older and you're looking back you just get this like it's new to you that's new knowledge you know like oh this was hard (laughs) I didn't think it was hard because I was just trying to cope with my level of understanding so yeah then you sort of left with this new feeling of like oh I see I just thought that was our life but actually god that must have been so hard for you and it's I think that's hard if you experience things they burn deeper sometimes, don't they? Because you're an adult and then you're understanding it. So the, the understanding is like, whoa, this is, I really understood how hard it was for you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that was part of the reason why writing the book was like, felt very important to me because I felt like it was like an account and a, you know, and a demonstration. I mean, it was, it was important to give the world like a vocabulary and, and I felt really grateful about like being able to communicate and experience in words, which is different than just the experience mm. itself. But also I felt like it was like uh, something to bookend all the things that my dad did for me to help me grow up okay. And like the end of it is sort of like, I will be okay. Mm. And like that moment of kind of, uh, I don't like the word, like the phrase like divorcing your parents, but some sort of separation from them where like they don't have to feel so responsible for you anymore or overcompensatory anymore Mm. because you've done it you've done it as a team you're okay you're gonna be okay like the grief will still come but you have your your tools and like you can handle it um and so I think you know some people are like why are you writing a memoir when you're 30 um I, well, the, the I life you've lived like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. some people you're like you didn't need to but with you I'm like yeah there's enough material in there <laughs> like it's not like you just won one reality show and it's like oh here we go here's my memoir <laughs> like you've done so much well Lisa I won't keep you much longer but it was it was so nice to talk to you and um yeah I was just thinking the way you describe mm. there's that lovely phase in the book when you say like your dad came in to you every night and just said like you know you're a good kid and I just thought that was yeah. yeah that was just so again I try I hope sometimes I get um parents listening who are have been bereaved mm. themselves and are worried about the kids and I'm always telling them to like listen to the episodes of the ones of us who lost parents like we're okay there's not there's pain and there's sadness but we're okay and I think um you're a great example of that but he did it I think to like almost like a manifest something that he didn't know if it was true or not like (laughs) so and I think that's really like that comes back to our original you know conversation about the imagination Mm. and how maybe there is something to be said about you know not only like putting your dreams and goals in the world if you have them but also like putting what you hope to be true of like relationships or of you know I guess he was like you're a good kid because 
I, I don't know. I, I think it was like as forward looking as it was backwards yeah. looking. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and I think that is so much of parenting is kind of seeing something, knowing they are a good kid and also really, really hoping that you're right. Yes. <laughs> like, I think yeah. you are. I kind of need you to do a lot of the work, but I'm going to tell you, I think you are. And then hopefully yeah. that will set sail in you. Yeah. And the book, I mean, that's what's been so fun too, is like, I think it is as much about the parenting side as it is the growing up piece. Yeah. Because like he did, <laughs> man, my dad did a good job, like, but it was all intuition and it was not like beautiful. It was like rough around the edges, <laughs> but it like was the right thing somehow because I am where I am because of all that stuff. And I think where I am is truly good, you know? Oh, it really um, is. It definitely is. Oh, Lexi, thank you so much for talking to me. The book is called Bravey. It's brilliant. It's so wonderful. I'm so grateful and I really appreciate this. You can follow Alexi on Twitter and Instagram at Alexi Papas. That's A-L-E-X-I-P-A-P-P-A-S. Her book, Bravey, B-R-A-V-E-Y, is out now. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. The show was edited by Kate Holland with music from the Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 